0: Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Dow and I'm joined, as always, by my best friend, Andre Grayson. Hola, señor Dow. <laughs> Andre is, in fact, in Spain, as we speak, on a uh, lovely little breakaway. Um, so he's uh, really doing us a favour here by being present for this uh, podcast as opposed to being in, in his pool. So uh, good stuff all round. How, how are you enjoying your holiday so far, Andre. <laughs>
1: Yeah, apart from Saturday, it's been lovely. Um, but I guess we'll get to that, having a having a lovely time. Much needed sunshine. Good stuff. Now, we are recording this
0: podcast on Transfer Deadline Day. So, obviously, by the time this podcast goes out, there might be a few things that have... Uh, that have happened that we haven't had a chance to talk about. But we'll try to uh, be as up-to-date whilst we're recording as possible because I think it could be a very busy day for Arsenal, both uh, hopefully with incomings but certainly with outgoings. Um, and we've seen uh, a few things happen already which we'll uh, come on to shortly. But before that, we're going we're gonna to start by looking at the Man City game um, on the weekend uh, just to put us both through the emotional ringer again. <laughs> um, and we're going to try and look at it, obviously, like we did with Brentford. We're going to start by looking at uh, it as an away day experience. Um, and obviously, Andre was in Spain during this one, and I was at the Etihad, <laughs> regrettably. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll come on to that. But firstly, obviously, Andre, where did you watch the game?
1: Uh, well, actually, this this will feed into a general... Um viewpoint I have of the game. I watched it in the Costa Blanca Supporters Club, which my dad founded. Um, they've got a little room that's uh, in a bar called Cheers Bar. And uh, when we got there, there was five Man City fans and me and my dad. And I was like, oh, no, I don't fancy this at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then we were watching on a South African feed, which my dad had told me when I texted him during games was a little bit behind. OK, it was 1.35, so obviously it's an hour ahead. Uh, it was five minutes and they were just doing the teams. Jeez. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Because I, I, I check Twitter normally throughout games and it said kickoff. I was like, kickoff? I was like, they're, they're still doing the players coming out the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> and then, right, so, um, and you know, i hold my hands up here. Apparently, Arsenal started well for the first five minutes. What happened on my feed is it cut out for one at one minute. It came back on in the eighth minute, and it came on as Gabriel Jesus' cross looped in um, and Gundogan headed home. So, <laughs> apparently, we had five good minutes in this match, and I didn't see it. So, that's where I watched it. And then the whole half was interrupted. And this can happen when you're watching out in Spain. It was sort of BT, sort of a South Africa beat, but it kept cutting out. And every time it cut out, we conceded. And it was like, oh my God, this is horrible. We saw the granite Xhaka Red in perfect clarity, though. Oh, um, fantastic. <laughs> so I have a very strange experience of this, uh, of this game. My dad is known for leaving. Um, normally, he'll leave on the second goal if it's late. But he will stop watching and just go home. He looked at me and went 3-0. And um, I'll give a shout out to Declan, who I believe is our biggest fan, who isn't a family member, by the way. Oh,
0: fantastic. Hello, Declan.
1: <laughs> he loves it. As, as, and uh, we did, in fact, leave at half-time. Um, it was main... I wouldn't have done, but it was the City fans that were beginning to get that that gloat that I remember having... Once upon a time where we just trash, you know, some random fan from like Everton would turn up and we'd beat them four, five nil. And you just sort of have that lovely gloat about you and, and their suffering was only heightening your enjoyment. And I, I felt they had that with us. So we, <laughs> so we left at halftime. I did come back and watch the second half on an un- un- uninterrupted feed at home. But oh, my God. So look, that was my experience. And it was a hard enough day for me um why don't you explain yours okay
0: <laughs> so my experience um i have not i had not been to the etihad before this is my my first experience going up there um so i went up the night before with my dad um and the journey from margate in kent all the way to manchester took me eight hours oh so my God. uh so that was how long, good...
1: it have t- how long should it have taken five and a half Okay, okay. So that was that was
0: a, a really poor start to the weekend. Every everywhere that there could have been traffic, there was traffic. So <laughs> that was uh, that was that should have been the omen that uh, it was going to be a bad weekend. And on the way up, um, we were discussing the game, and then when we went out on Friday evening for a few drinks, um, my dad grew in confidence as he uh, sank lagers and was convinced that we were going to win one nil. <laughs> and when I asked him. Um, who was going to score, he replied with, Ben White of his knob. <laughs> and I then said, I th- I'm pretty sure Ben White's going to be out with COVID. And he, and he was like, okay, a Aubameyang, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I think this was a bit more of a tongue-in-cheek uh, prediction. I hope it was anyway. Um, obviously, then the day of the game, got up, had breakfast, and then drove to the ground. And there's, we'll start off with a parking uh, there's loads of there's loads of parking around the ground uh, that you can pay Brilliant. for, but as uh, Andre knows well, I am someone who is very reluctant to pay for parking when I uh, don't feel it's necessary. So we drove into a car park and the guy replied to us that it was ten pounds to park the car there, and we thought that was extortionate. So we promptly turned round and drove up the road for literally two minutes, and there was a free space, and we just parked <laughs> literally a, te- a ten minute walk from the ground. So that, that was magic. It was, it was a pain in the ass getting out of the ground because it was so busy around the streets. But it was free, so I can't really complain. <laughs> like it,
1: like so, it. So
0: parking wise, uh, if you want to pay for the official parking or if you want to go to a local car park, there's loads around. If you want to be stingy like me, there's also places to park. <laughs> so, so that was a success. Uh, then we walked to the ground. And what annoyed me more than anything else? And I think this is testament to Manchester City as a football club. Um, And for those that haven't been to the Etihad before, when you get to the away end, there is a big gate um, which says away fans only. And you go inside the gate and then the entrances to the uh, different stands are inside that gate. And as we went in, uh, we were waiting to collect a ticket off someone. And as we were waiting for that ticket... Um, the amount of Manchester City fans that walked into the way end, all ready to go into the ground, and then had to be told by stewards, "No, this is away fans only," annoyed the hell out of me. Purely because it just shows that they never go to the games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it yeah. just it just demonstrated that they're not football fans. They're not Manchester City fans. They're just people going for a day out or a tourist attraction. And I know every club, particularly in big city centres, has those fans. But as a match going fan, and as someone who um, spend a lot of money on this stuff it, it, It's really infuriating seeing fans like that And then at one point Two Liverpool fans wearing Liverpool shirts Walked into the way end asking where, where Block K was and they got told to go round To the home end and I was thinking You're wearing Liverpool shirts <laughs> What What are you doing at this football match And if you are going to come to this football match Don't wear Liverpool
1: shirts That's insane it, What honestly, the um, nationality of these uh, People uh i'm i can't really remember i think i think okay.
0: they they from the, from a distance they just look like ordinary supporters but uh um mm. yeah they were liverpool fans so i was uh, absolutely shocked by that wow. um and then obviously going into the ground it was i, I mean i i quite liked the uh, etihad as a stadium i think it's it's mm. it's a very sort of modern looking stadium it's quite nice to go into and you you get a good view particularly i was in the upper tier and it, i had a good view from up there um, so I got to see everything um, very clearly.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so yeah. I, I like that. The only thing that is a bit obviously suspect is obviously if you have tickets for various people in different stands, once you're in, you are with the people in either the upper tier, the middle tier or the lower tier. So that right. that becomes a bit more of a, a complicated system. But I was very lucky that I managed to source another ticket for my dad that was uh, in the uh, upper stand as well. So we were very close to each other. Nice. Um so that was that was a nice experience doing it with my dad, and then obviously, as you said, first five minutes we started the game pretty well, uh, and then we did Arsenal defending, <laughs> and mm. the f- first goal was ridiculous. And then as soon as the first goal went, so you know it's game over now because there's no way you can see us coming back in that in that fixture. Um, and then the second goal—I know we obviously, we'll obviously—we'll get onto that when, with the uh, the Callum Chambers incident as well. But the defending that aside was nothing short of disgraceful. Um, mm. But it's just—it's—it's oh, well, it, one of those we, things. That, before
1: before we go on, so I was going to say before we go into go into it because I think it's important when that team came out.
0: Oh, yeah. you you you've hit the nail on the head with touching on that first. So,
1: <laughs> well, what was the reaction like around you or in the ground? Because I know I texted you and I said I think that might be the worst back. F- I wanted a back five, um, but not that back five.
0: Yeah, so I was I was outside the ground when uh, when when that news came out, and obviously. Kolasinac took a lot of flack from quite a few, a lot of people when when his name got announced. Um, and I think that's by and large, obviously we know his limitations as a footballer, but by and large, a week ago he was he was leaving yeah. and then all of a sudden he starts the West Brom game, which you can sort of compartmentalise and say maybe it's a bit of a farewell, maybe it's a reward for being uh, loyal to Arsenal. Um, and then he starts against Manchester City. And it's yeah. just it's it's madness. But looking at that team, I, I I could not figure out what Arteta was trying to do with that team because I was I was like you, I was I was calling out for a back three slash back five. I think that was the way to go for that game, um, but not those players. And then going further forward, I beyond the back five, I couldn't figure out what he was trying to do because going to Manchester City and playing essentially one holding midfielder. And then having Odegaard as an option next to him, and Smith-Rowe and Saka and is it was too many attackers to, to play in a game like that. And the tactics, I just, I, I didn't understand, because obviously we went into the game trying to approach it with, with pressing them high. And we made it so easy for them to play around us. Uh, the amount of times Edison waited with the ball for one of our players to then go and engage him. And then he can just dissect our midfield with one pass that takes out five of our players. I think that was the third goal that that happened for with where he just waited with the ball. We then closed him down. He plays one pass into the centre of the pitch. Game over. Yeah. Um, and I just, I couldn't understand it. And we start in the second half, we did do it, like, obviously we we sort of Dropped back and tried to make it more complicated for them by just being sort of a, a blockage for them to get through. But I didn't understand when the red card happened. Why we didn't immediately bring on a, a, a midfielder to come and plug that gap that was vacated by Granite Jacker? Um, obviously, I'm rambling here because I'm really, I was really, really, really annoyed about the the setup
1: mm-hmm. and
0: to the in-game sort of responses that Arteta made from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um- Let me just say this. I mean, when that back five came out and then we went one nil down in the way we did, it it was no surprise. It's almost redundant at this point to talk about the game and what happened after that. I want to talk about the red card. Um, The reason I want to talk about it is because when I first saw it, when I text you, I felt it was a reputation red. And I did see that the ref went for his yellow and then changed to his red. Yeah, he did. Um. But the more I think about it, it just was a red card and you'd be furious if it was the other way around. However, however, um, I've got a bit of sympathy for Granite Xhaka in that I think it's a reckless and stupid challenge. But he has been sent out on his own when he isn't the most physically mobile to hold a whole midfield against a team that almost plays exclusively midfielders. They play several attacking midfielders, and their sort of game plan is to unpin your central midfield area. And it was him on his own. And it doesn't excuse the red card. I'm not excusing that. But I did feel sorry for him that he's in that position. He's probably so frustrated that that's the case. And he is the worst person to put that emotion on. He is the worst person in our club. To give to overburden, right? Why we have him when that's the case? I don't know. Separate conversation, not for today. He's staying. We've covered this, but you cannot overburden Granite Xhaka. He loses his head, and I think it's a failure in the player. But I think this was also a failure in management and how to set up a team. I honestly think he sent out a team that could only fail, could only fail, and I haven't seen that before from Arteta, there was no way with that 11 set up in that way we could ever win this football match, ever, um, regardless of whether he thought we could press. It was only going to end 5-0. I think 10 or 11 players, I, you know, I don't think the fact Xhaka got sent off changed anything, really.
0: No, I, I completely agree. Um, we, I texted you after the game I said 5-0 flatters us because it yeah. could have been, it could have been anything um at, at times, particularly in the first half uh, man City were just cutting through us like a knife knife through butter, and in the second half they were still you still felt that anytime they wanted to create a goal scoring opportunity they could mm-hmm. and for large periods of the second half they sort of kept us at arm's length and just kept the ball and frustrated us um and then when they wanted to flick that switch they could and it was infuriating watching um What I will say on a positive note is that the fans in the away end did really carry on supporting the team throughout the game. And I know Arteta commented on that at the end of the game, which I think was the least he could have done. (laughs) And what I thought was a very poignant situation is the players came over at the end of the game and they stood there applauding the fans for probably a a good minute. Um, And usually it's a case of they walk over, they applaud, they turn around, they go back in the tunnel, particularly after a defeat. And they did that really poignantly, and they all looked really, really sort of upset with the situation. Mm. But I think that was a reflection of of the away support that Arsenal Football Club do have, um, and and the fact that they don't give up on the side. Um, what whatever you say about Arsenal support at home, it's a totally different ball game when you go away from home, and Whoa. invariably, inv- invariably, the support is is, is far far better. Um, We'll probably touch on a specific incident shortly. But uh, what were you going to say?
1: <laughs> no, I was going to say to you, well, the only thing I'd say is I have, and this will roll into talking about West Brom, um, because I, we went to West Brom together and it was the first time. And I think one of the great things about lockdown, it's a strange thing to say, um, one of the great things about being away from it is it made, I think, everyone have that moment, that collective deep breath and go, Why do we go away? Why do we go to away matches? It's because we love it. It's part of, often if you go to away matches, it's part of your identity. You say with pride, I was there. Yep. Yeah. West Brom, Wednesday, I was there. Don't you worry about that. Um, And I think, you know, we've got the up and coming trip to Burnley soon that we're going to be, yep, we spent five hours each way on a train. I was there. It's sort of, it's part of who you are. Um, And with West Brom, I felt, and I saw this again evidenced at City touching on what you're saying, it felt like that reconnection with the club, and we hate what's going on on the pitch, but it felt felt how it should for the first time in a long time, I felt, you know, we don't need to talk about West Brom's quality, we don't need to compartmentalise anything. As an away match, that West Brom game was my favourite in absolutely years. And it's not because we won 6-0. It was great before we started scoring. Um, You know, I just, I loved it. And it made me excited to go to the next one, almost no matter what the score is. And that's how it used to be. Um, And I feel like there's been a great reset. And that's what, you know, it's great to see that the fans were singing. I mean, what is becoming uh, the... The song, um, the, I reckon, would go quite high in the charts, wouldn't it? Really. Here we go. I mean, it's a banger. It's been in my head <laughs> non-stop since I heard it. But I, I just think there's been a sort of great reset, and I think we should be grateful for that as people that go.
0: Yeah, I think so as well. Um, it was uh, it was a really really good away day. West Brom as as as, uh, <laughs> as bad as the uh, the outcome of the City game was was uh, as good as the whole experience was at West Brom. Um, what I will say there, as I've I've never been to an away game or an Arsenal game where I thought I regret that decision. Um, I do. Just enjoy the experience, and I liked going to a ground that I hadn't been to before, and it was nice spending some time with my dad. So it wasn't a uh, wasn't a game yeah. I went to and thought, oh, I'm, I, I wish I hadn't done that. Um, but it obviously, if you compare the the two respective away days, the West Brom one was uh, far far more enjoyable. <laughs> um, and a, again, like you said, there is not really much need to go into the game itself because obviously with, with with West Brom making eleven changes, it was quite clear that their priorities was not. In the Carabao Cup, and for us, it was about a confidence-building exercise, which obviously didn't transpire to mean much. <laughs> looking at the next game, <laughs> but it was nice just to get a bit of a feel-good factor. But what you said about the reset and, and feeling like a, a a collective togetherness within the away end, I think, was uh, is, is really, really pertinent and uh, s- sort of summed up that away experience really, really well.
1: For sure, for sure. You mentioned you wanted to talk about a specific incident.
0: Yes, I did want to, uh, at City. So I think this is obviously, this has been something which has been going around social media uh, basically since the game. And I, I know you, you texted me asking me what was going on in the way end. Um, where it, so when, I think it was when the fourth goal went in at City? Yeah. And that was obviously when media outlets reported that Arsenal fans were celebrating the uh, City goal. And what actually happened, which I'm, which has been reported all over Twitter, but I'll just go over it again. What actually happened was that the supporters had pretty much stopped watching the game at this point and were singing the Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe song uh, probably for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and I've, I've watched the highlights on TV and just before the fourth goal gets in, you can hear the Arsenal fans singing that song. Okay. and w- when the goal went in it was pretty much a we don't really care what's happening on the pitch at the moment so we just carry on singing a song <laughs> so right. that's what that's that's obviously what happened but I, but obviously I've seen it obviously our our favorite people I Arsenal <laughs> fan tv I know they reported it and have taken a lot of flack for that but obviously you've had the tv stations also panned on it and reported it Uh, Match of the day went and and showed that and said that Arsenal fans were celebrating ironically. And it's just uh, a complete misrepresentation of what actually happened at the ground. And it paints Arsenal fans in a really bad light um, on a day that they showed, um, we showed, I should say, what we are about and and how good our away support can be. Um, So I found that disappointing. But it's good to see the amount of people that were at the game sort of set the record straight. Um, and there's a lot of people that are just adamant that that didn't happen, but obviously unless you were at the game then it's very difficult to, uh, mm. prove otherwise. But, um, yeah, that was the incident I wanted to touch on, but, uh, I think that has been sort of dealt with quite, quite substantially over, um, what, uh, over, over social media.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So here we are, Tom, we are, what's the date today? 31st of August, of course, deadline day. Um, before we go into some transfers, I think, I know we probably intended to do this the other way around, but I can't not ask it. I mean, we're, 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 we're the league, I actually can't even physically look at the league table, right? I, I just can't, because the fact of where they are <laughs> and where we are <laughs> uh, is virtually impossible. The fact I was livid... When Timu Puki got a penalty. Like, we probably needed Norwich to beat Leicester. Like, if we think we're going to come sixth. But I was really hoping they'd beat them 2 0 so we wouldn't be last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just all kinds of wrong. Um, 1 0 points. We've shown no fight, really, in any of the three games. I think Bright- uh, Brighton, Brentford had some mitigating circumstances. What, what do you, where, where do we go from here? I mean, I'll just give you my high level view is that there are three games. Well, there's four games in September, AFC Wimbledon being one of them. But the three league games, Norwich home, Burnley away, Spurs at home. I'm of the opinion now that if he doesn't get seven points, he has to go. Um, I think he deserves those three games. But if he can't get those results, he should be gone. That's where I'm at with it right now. And actually, the way we played on Sunday was a bit of a, a breaking point for me with Arteta. So I suppose, where are you with it right now? Ah) uh... Well,
0: obviously, on a sort of six-hour journey home from the Etihad, uh, I spoke (laughs) extensively with my dad about this whole situation. And I'm very much at the point where I I really am struggling to see how it gets better under Mikel Arteta. Um, And it really pains me to say it because I really, really would love him to succeed. And I really hope that he can turn it round, But I've not seen anything that suggests that he's going to be able to do that. Mm. Um, I I probably am with you almost identically to thinking he's got those three three lead games to, to save his job essentially, but I'd probably go one further and say that if if we don't beat Norwich at home, um, I th- I think that could be it for him, and I think mm-hmm. that that would be that would be at the point where I would probably have completely turned and gone, you know what, it's definitely not going to work. So I'm probably a little bit harsher than you in my, in my assessment of what, what he deserves to get. Um, but that, that, that's the game for me. If we can't beat them at home, then I think, I think we're going to be in a whole heap of mess this season.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does feel that way. It does feel that way. Um, I suppose tying into all of that for me, I mean, I'll just say this because it, it goes nicely onto what we're going to say. When the team was released for Man City and we were playing wing-backs, and neither of them were Ainsley, Maitland, Niles, I was furious because because athletically, at the very least, and in his Arsenal career, he has looked good, only looked good, really, at wing-back. You know, we all like to project that he could be a good right-back, But actually, he's been an excellent left wing back and a pretty good right wing back in the right system. To not have him play, to have Cedric Suarez, who produced the worst performance imaginable, I've actually never really had that much of a problem with Cedric. His statistics and the data that came out on him in a game we mainly defended was a disgrace. In fact, it was funny. Like we defended. We defended the whole game. Zero tackles, zero clearances, zero blocks. You know, you name it, he didn't do it. Um, I think more alarming than anything on the pitch, Mikel Arteta lacks the empathy, the ability, the understanding to foster a team culture. That is one of success and one of unity because he is torching players what's going on with Maitland Niles the fact Maitland Niles look he's an idiot okay don't post on social media but the fact he felt that was the right thing to do tells you all you need to know firstly we shouldn't be letting Maitland Niles go with 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 the right backs we've got he he's he's not a pro- keep Ainsley Maitland Niles for goodness sake actually give him a go right For Maitland-Niles to feel like he does that, to be told today he's training with the reserves, is he then going to Everton? I don't know. But that situation for me actually says more about Arteta than it does the player, that he feels, firstly, we've got a culture that that's okay. And sure, there's a punishment, but I don't think Maitland-Niles or the players give a fuck. I think it's so damaging and so clear that it's wrong. I mean, sorry, I've just got to wrap this into one final point because Kalasinac playing was a joke. The fact that we've sent Saliba on loan because he's not ready, but Kalasinac, who's going is. And I know it's so hard not to just say Captain Obvious things, but my God, how on earth would Saliba have done worse and make Lenals have done worse in that? And I just think there's a personality in Arteta that burns bridges and it doesn't work.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just have to look back through um, Arteta's tenure at Arsenal, and there's so many examples of players he's had a falling out with. Obviously, Gwendausi being probably the the mainstream example, but you've got obviously Mesut Ozil where that so that fell apart that relationship. Um, now, Maitland Niles, and there's a few others in that. With obviously William Saliba being being one of them as well, um, and it's 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 hard to watch and. I think what we're seeing as well, and I saw, I saw this on Twitter earlier today, that someone said that it's. if we're looking at the right-back situation as well, if, if you were given Chambers, Bellerin, Maitland-Niles and Cedric as your four right-back options, mm. there's enough in there to, to make that work. And the yeah. fact that we can't make it work says more about the coaching going around the club than it does anything else. Um, and I think we're struggling to see players really improving under the coaching of Mikel Arteta, which is another really significant factor. We, when we're signing so many young players, it's really important that we've got someone at the helm that can uh, advance their careers and really, really bring them forward. So that's really, really um, significant. But going back to the Maitland-Niles situation, it is such a sad situation that he felt felt the need to do that post. Obviously, the, the things that are coming out now to say, I think David Ornstein tweeted to say that he's, he said he was happy to play fullback this season um, and if that is the case, then I think uh, that, again, looks very poorly on Mikel Arteta because young players will make mistakes. Maybe it was a mistake um, Ainsley Maitland Mate I was being adamant he wants to play centre midfield. But a year later, maybe he's learnt from that and decided that his best opportunities will be in that fullback back position. Mm-hmm. And... It sort of feels like that Arteta is not really forgiven him for that for that mistake that he's potentially made. And that says an awful lot about Arteta's ego than it does anything else. Um, and I don't think this is the first time or the last time we're going to hear a story about Arteta's ego if he remains in charge of Arsenal Football Club.
1: Now, um, now, and and that, look, the, the, the biggest problem I've got with it, I'm like, it winds me up, is... Do you know what a good manager does? He goes, all right, you're willing to play fullback. You are my fullback. You are my fullback for the first five games of the season, OK? There's a real mix of games in there, uh, yeah? OK, if by Tottenham I'm thinking of dropping you, then we've got a problem, Ainsley, and I'm, I'm going to get rid of you in January. That's how you deal with it. Give him a chance. Because he can't be happy playing Chambers and Cedric. He can't.
0: Oh. No no, and just uh just because obviously this is transfer deadline day and we're trying to keep up with things as they're going along. Um, it looks very much like Hector Bellerin is joining Rail Betis um on loan. Yeah. Um, which again, all of our outgoings are loans, which is a which is a real concern. Um, mm. because we just can't shift our players. Um so it looks like he's going. Obviously we don't know what's happening with ainsley Maitland Niles in terms of his move potentially to Everton, but I've just read that uh, it looks like Everton have offered a two-year loan deal with an option to buy after that. So we know Everton are, are messing around with financial fair play restrictions. So they're they're kind of a bit inhibited about what they can actually do. But on a positive note, um, it looks like Arsenal are about to sign Takehiro Tomiyasu from oh, well Bologna. Um, so Fabrizio Romano has just tweeted out his here we go um, tweet that he always does. Um, to say that that's potentially going to go through later today. So that's another, a right Tom. Ba- another Tom, but it's a, it's a right back who also can play at centre-back. So I've got to be honest, I was a bit concerned with that when I read about him as a player, because obviously we have a player in that profile in Callum Chambers, and I thought we'd be more going for an out-and-out out fullback. But I've got to be honest, I don't know anything about this player. Um, so, if he does go through, all I can do is wish him the best at Arsenal and, and we will get behind him. But it does show that probably if he's coming in, you'd expect definitely Bellerin to go, but you'd also probably expect Maitland Niles to probably get his move at some point.
1: Yeah, I mean, what so we go? You think we're going to go into the season with uh, Tommy Yasu, Cedric, and Chambers?
0: It wouldn't surprise me, but equally with what's going on with Maitland Niles, it also wouldn't surprise me if he did stay. Um, mm. because but that's the noise that's been coming out that we've not wanted to move him on. But you never know if it's just waiting for sort of like an incoming to to be all all but confirmed before you make that decision. But I I, I think the idea of loaning maitland Isles out is 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 madness again. I think there's a there's more he can offer, and I'd rather have him as as an option there than probably Cedric or Callum Chambers based on their performance in the last game. <laughs>
1: Well, but but also there's there's a legitimate concern, right? If if Thomas Partey is injured, which which he is, for a change, and Jacker is suspended, which, you know, may happen more than once, so our centre midfielders for Norwich at home are Sambi Lakonga and El Nenny. Yeah. So if anything happens to either of them we need Maitland Niles a central midfield cover as well.
0: Absolutely. Um
1: so, you know, there's a, there's a lot he can do, and I think he could stay and fight and establish a place if Arteta lets him. I don't think Arteta's making it, though. I don't think he gets till Christmas. I really feel like it would take so much for us to believe. There's a lot more patience in the hierarchy than there is in the fan base. Um, <sighs> yeah, I mean... I, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling to get my head round from the positivity I felt and the enjoyment I had even at West Brom. Yeah. <laughs> to be here six days later, yeah. I want to rip my hair out. Um, look, did you think we need a right back? Do you think, do you think if only Hector's going on loan and we bring this guy in, that is sensible? Or do you think it's, it, I don't know. I don't, I don't quite know what I'm feeling about it
0: I, I don't know it's just it's so hard like I just I'm going to link this to a, another um bit of transfer news that happened obviously last night and that was that Willian had uh terminated his contract with the club um and was about to join Corinthians and when I went out earlier today I listened to uh, I had talk sport on which uh, is not always the best decision but they had uh, an interview with uh Kir Durabchian, thats his name, isn't it? The mm-hmm. agent of William. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was on, and he was very damning in his assessment of Arsenal. Um, and obviously, he will be because his clients just left Arsenal and has probably lost out on in excess of twenty million pounds. So yeah. there's a, there's probably a case for him to be a bit bit angry with the whole situation. But he was he was damning of Arsenal in terms of recent signings. Uh, one quote was. William went for the project and the project wasn't there. What player has gone to Arsenal recently has not been a disaster. And that's that's a really, really damning assessment of the situation. But it does kind of sum up where we're at. Um, particular, but I think it's a bit rich him talking about that because of the number of players we've had come in that have been his clients. And uh, he's kind of uh, <laughs> throwing them under the bus with that statement. <laughs> mm. But it's just... It's, it's it's such a horrible situation. Like we've had so much to do this summer, and even bringing another right back in, there's still areas like you look at centre midfield. We're probably a bit light in there. Um, a, a strike we're not going to get, but it looks like Inketi is going to stay now with Odson Edouard going to uh, Crystal Palace. So it's just more and more problems.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, just just I actually wanted to ask you about um those two you just met well actually Eddie and Ketia so we had a 12 million this is this is where if things are reported as is i want you to try and help let's try and understand it we have a 12 million pound offer for a player who is out of contract next in in 10 months we have rejected that 12 million because we wanted 20 but he's going to go for free in 10 months. So why have we rejected it with a chance to read? I, I don't, that's that's the part. Why do you think, why do you think, let me ask it in a less aggressive way. Why do you think we've done that, Tom? <laughs> why do you think we've done that? <laughs> well, that's how I feel. But I realise you're not making the decision. So, you know, I'll ask it in a much lighter way. Why do you think we've done that?
0: I honestly don't know because the only logical business approach to that is, is Eddie Nketiah good enough to play for Arsenal? No, he's not. We've seen that. We've seen that that he doesn't get enough goals. Um, he's probably not clinical enough when he does get the opportunities that come his way at, at the really top level. Um, and like you've said before, the whole point of your academy is some players will make it and you hope that some do. but by and large you're using your academy to try and generate funds that you can then reinvest in the club and an opportunity to get 12 million for a player as you say out of contract in 10 months time i just i cannot believe we have not gone for that because it does not make business sense to not do that and i'm but, not a businessman <laughs> and...
1: but, but do you think we've done it because we're going to play him and he's he's what 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 is he third, third choice striker I guess.
0: I, I I'd guess so. I, I would say he probably is. But that's the only, only explanation. Because if you're not going to play him, um, and I think most fans would accept that he's behind the Bamiang and Lacazette in the pecking order. If you're not going to play him, it's an enormous gamble. And are you gambling on him signing a new contract? And then being in another situation where I have another player that we've got on our books that we can't get rid of. It's just... It's a mess. It's a total, total mess.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I said, the only thing I've got is that we, 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 which alarms me is that we are going to next season having signed Eddie for a long-term deal and he replaces Lacazette. Yeah. And, And we don't sign a striker, which I think is one of the biggest problems we've got. Actually, there's many biggest problems we've got, but it's up there. Um... I don't know. I don't know. Um Nelson on loan to fireord and we extend his deal seems eminently sensible. Yeah, that one does
0: seem sensible. Um the loan it would have been another ridiculous move if we just loaned him with a year left on his contract um and we just loaned him out for that year that would have been a really silly move in my in my eyes but uh if we're extending his deal um and we're loaning him then I don't think any harm's done with that. Um that makes sense. Yeah. But uh yeah, yeah. Uh, do you think we'll do anything else other than this
1: right back today? I really feel as though there'd be something announced um, w- would have leaked out by now. What are we? One quarter past one. There's what, il- 10 hours to go? Yeah. I-, I can't believe we wouldn't have heard murmurings. I- and I've seen absolutely nothing minus this right back.
0: Yeah, same. Um, I've not seen any- anything particularly exciting uh the only ones that you feel there may be like a late thing for uh, which i I, again i think this is highly unlikely um is Hussein Moir who who i think leon are really trying to get rid of but there just doesn't seem to be any takers for him even on loan um so unless that was a late one that we took a gamble for i just I, i really can't see where we where we really go from there to to strengthen the side
1: yeah Okay, well, I'm going to pose this to you. Let's say we, um, let's say we we don't loan maitland Niles. We loan out Hector. Loan out Nelson. What would you rate our outgoings out of ten? Oh, uh, well, I hate it when
0: you ask me these questions.
1: <laughs> well, let's 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 go. We got we got. What's actually happened? Ann for free. Actually, I just wanted to say, you and I had. Discussed at length before he signed and then especially after the Fulham game that it would be really good deal if we could shift him after a year or two years. And we have. And I know there's a load of revisionism, and like this is easy to say, but like it's worked out perfectly in that we tried him, it didn't work, he's gone. And I yeah. feel like that part is really like everyone's still going on, but we signed him up to a three-year deal. Yes, but he's gone now. So we we tried that year, it didn't work, he's gone actually quite good whether it was the players forced it or whatever. do you know what I mean like I, I actually feel like that whole deal comes under a lot of scrutiny but actually we picked up a player who was really good for Chelsea on a free for a year it didn't work and he's gone the end yeah sort of didn't work do you know what I mean
0: yeah I think I I, I I mean, going back to what we obviously said uh, when we signed him, and we were quite excited by the signing, um, and things like this just make me realise that I just I feel like I don't know anything about football sometimes. <laughs> but I, I know exactly what you mean. It is one of those situations where it, it's done. It, we got a, it was a year year experiment that didn't work out. Um, that's it, and that's that's how you need to look at it rather than digging into. Who sanctioned what? Who did this? Who did what? Who said it was a good idea? Uh, it's just, it's, it's finished. We can draw yeah. a line under it. We know we don't have to have him as a player anymore. Um, and we don't have to pay his salary. So that's, that's a, a big win for us, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Willian gone, Willock gone, Nelson on loan, Mavropanos on loan, Bellerin on loan, I can't think. There's probably a few youngsters as well that I won't go into. Well, um,
0: on loan, Gwendausi on loan, but pretty much with a mandatory purchase option. Um, Torreira on loan. Torreira on loan. I, I just think all the loan deals. I think that's what makes it not a great window for Arsenal because we want you want to draw a line under some of these players. So. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think it's been a great window uh from that regard. I've been quite I like the profile players we've brought in, but I just I, they, we've still got such an overinflated squad if you look at all the players we've got still on our books. Um Yeah. I don't I don't think it's been well, very good, so I'd probably say like a 4 or something like that. <laughs> I
1: think I think well, I was going to say to you I thought you were going to give it a 1 in terms of outgoings because that's what I'd give it, but I'll give them a 2 but only because of the covid Market clearly, I mean, I look at Chelsea as sort of the great barometer yeah. in that they have more players. I, I believe Ross Barkley is still at their club. Um, they've only they've just only... got
0: rid of da- Danny Drinkwater to Reading,
1: yes, yes.
0: <laughs> Which, by uh, the way, uh, I one of my friends is a uh Reading season ticket holder, and from what I understand. Danny Drinkwater is on something like £110,000 at Chelsea and Reading wow. and paying him eight. Great work from And there. Chelsea are playing, paying the rest.
1: <laughs> well, they, yeah, but money... The thing is, is that one of the things that got me is you know how we're sitting here going, that Nketiah 12 million would have been great. Right, this is... I was listening to, um, I think it was Arsenal Vision podcast. Anyway, they were talking about transfers and they were talking about how there's a level of club Above us, where money just doesn't matter. Because yeah. the Killian Mbappe deal, right? Firstly, Real Madrid are broke, but got together, cobbled together, looked down the back of a sofa, found <laughs> £160 million, pounds, right? And PSG went, no. <laughs> he can go to free next year. Like, this is the levels we're talking. Do you know what I mean? Like this We can't is compete. The... We cannot compete. How can you compete with that? I know we're not in the Champions League, but we are meant to be one of the biggest 20 clubs in the world. You know, if you look at a Forbes rich list, I know the Cronkies have tanked a load of value. But still, that is a stratosphere that we are nowhere near. And the thing is, the thing that concerns me, Tom, is like, and I, t- I try not to think about this too much, else you'd never sleep. Like, will we ever be near again? And was this inevitable? We tried something with the stadium move, but until we have, you know, some some Middle Eastern prince fancy Arsenal, we're done. Yeah. In, in, in that regard, because ha- there's no competing with that. We're I'm livid here, going, how could we not snap your hands off a twelve million for? Eddie and Kettier and fifteen for Xhaka. and there's a there's a school of players that are commanding one hundred and sixty million. And look at the game thing. How on earth are Tottenham able to turn that down? I don't understand. Um, but fair play. <laughs> That's, what an uh, uplifting comment. <laughs> 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 I just don't. I just there's honestly there's just. Uh, That's the thing that gets me is for all the trials and tribulations, watching Mbappe not go to Real Madrid for 160 million and sign a pre contract is just incredible. It's madness. PSG are walking away from a 150 million pound asset.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but. uh... (laughs) Oh, we just. It's it's completely out of our our realms of. uh competing and it's, it is uh it is really sad but
1: um well, well let me just quickly ask you then just before we we, we, we finish up the incomings what would you give those <laughs> I'll give you two ratings what would you give out give them out of 10 in this window and what would you give them out of 10 for two years time <laughs> I love that way of looking at it um
0: I, th- that is the problem that is the problem you've hit yeah. the nail on the head with that um, and I think, in terms of this window, I, 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 I think it's you're probably looking at a six because you don't really know if they are going to be successful. It's very difficult to know how big an impact they're going to make immediately. And it's a lot of pressure to put on players of that age to come and turn and transform Arsenal's uh, fortunes. And looking looking at some of the players and how they've come in and how they've settled and some of the early performances, I think there's grounds to be optimistic for, for two years' time. So I think, I think two years' time, maybe you'll look back and think that was a, that was a seven or eight transfer window. But um, I think at the moment, I, I, I would
1: go with a six. I think, I think you're perfectly right. I think you're perfectly right. I mean, I think if we get the right back, it's definitely it's a strong six. Yes. A strong six, Tom. Um, without that, it's, it's it's a low six, high five. Um, just because I look at the, the first 11 needed improvement, and it's white for Louise and Odegaard for Odegaard. Um, <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And that is it.
0: Yeah, and I think it goes back to you said at the tail end of last season that without European football, it was about making sure that we had a a smaller squad, but a squad with a a better starting 11. And we've not really done an awful lot to have that better starting 11, which has been evidenced by the start of the season. Okay, it's been hampered by COVID and injuries and things like that. So it's a bit difficult to judge, but uh, it is
1: not. It's not been great, has it? <laughs> no, no. But, you know, if we do beat Norwich, we do beat Burnley and we do beat Tottenham, we've got a nice run after that. And then suddenly it's all going to feel a lot better. And I suppose there's nothing left for me to say other than here we go. Sacker and Smith, rule.
0: Good. So hopefully all of our listeners will have that in their heads uh, until the next time we record a podcast, because I know I will. <laughs> um, Andre, thank you very much for your time as always and uh, taking and a break from your holiday. You. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for taking a break for your holiday. My well,
1: pleasure is all mine. And thank you very the much. The pleasure for is listening. all mine, Tom. Good
0: to, Good to catch up. Good stuff. And thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. Uh, if you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram by searching for the boys in red and white. And we will be back next week with another podcast. And hopefully we'll have to uh, a few signings, maybe. Maybe more than just a right back, but probably not likely. And we'll talk about that next week in preparation for our big relegation six-pointer with Norwich. So thank you and goodbye.